You are now in the Corn Roof Podcast, a sports podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here is your host, Jared Clinton. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Corner Booth Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Clem, alongside my sidekick, Mr. Kevin. Kev, we got a, like, it's an interesting show because there's no, like, breaking news. It's just a lot of, like, hearsay stuff and Last Dance happened two nights ago and we got some other stuff going on. It's just, it's a, it's kind of a casual show today, which is always kind of good because usually it's not me and Kevin screaming about something that happened in the headlines, but Kev texted me this morning while I was working out, probably the dumbest time to text me if it's not Kevin. Um, basically, I mean, you always have time for your work wife. <laughs> yeah, as a running joke we've had, Kevin has basically been my work wife since last April. Um, I He said to me, he goes, who is your all-time, who's your all-time t- starting five with a six-man? But he threw, a, he threw a monkey wrench in it because, you know, everyone knows my top ten. But he goes, you can only pick guys, one guy from each decade to fill your starting five. So I said, bet. Challenge accepted. So I had to get creative because I'd also think – and the, the key is you can't say, oh, best players. I thought about if they actually had to take on Kevin's starting five, could they win a game? So – and this is allowing clones and everything else. Now we did a draft. But that would have been fun, though, if we did a draft. Was that 2K style? Oh, uh, live stream idea. I can figure out we could get on 2K. Put these oh, my God, and do a playground, a playground thing? Yeah, only problem is our six-man wouldn't play, but... But here's the also thing is the all-time team, they move so much slower than the pro team. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I mean, it's because of the belief that everyone was just less athletic then. Which I think is, I watched Michael Jordan jump on the free throw line. I beg to differ. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, you're going to tell me Draymond Green can outrun Dennis Rodman. Okay. Or like Wilt Chamberlain might be one of the strongest, most athletic players in NBA history. Yeah. But um, speaking of which, my starting five. All right, so from the 1960s at center – Speaking of the devil, dropped 100 points in a game. Like, no questions. Will Chamberlain. I don't need my center to do anything except grab rebounds, score baskets, and block a shot or two. That's what he was good at. Power forward is actually from the 2000s. I went off book a little bit. So two of the top two of the top two greatest power forwards of all time both played in the 2000s. I went with the one who was better at defense. I went with me and Kev's boy, Kevin Garnett, at power forward. At small forward, we go to the 1970s, where his hair was as big as his dunks. I went with Dr. J. Uh, at shooting guard, we went back to the 90s to the GOAT himself, Michael Jordan. At point guard, we go back to the 80s for Magic Johnson. And then small fo- and then shooting uh, then as a kind of a backup swing man off the bench from a 2010s pick. He was the most dominant player in the league, arguably, in 2010, 11, and 12. And he took the Lakers to back-to-back NBA Finals and won two of them with Pau Gasol, RIP to the baby goat, Kobe Bryant. He is my sixth man from 2010s. 
our lists are very similar, actually. I initially, I didn't do this. I wanted to do Wilt and Kareem as my big men and then Kobe as my sixth man. Yeah. But I didn't want to move positions. Mm-hmm. So at center, I have Wilt. I mean, yeah. Started or scored 100 points in a game. Averaged 50 points a game in a season. Career averages 30.1 points per game. Dude was a monster. He might even, he might be as strong as Shaq because he could bench, I think, 400 pounds in the he was 60. Just like a, he was a freak of nature for his time. Like the, He was literally like some like otherworldly thing nobody had seen before. And if you took him today with that skill set and gave him modern training techniques, I think he would have been just as good. Yeah, or better. He would have been Dwight Howard with a decent jump shot. At, yeah, and at power forward, I also have Kevin Garnett. Love watching I took defense. Celtics. I took defense over fundamentals, basically, with him versus Tim Duncan. Yeah, and I mean, especially towards the later end of the 2000s, like mid to late 2000s, he, could, he couldn't he could shoot threes, but he could shoot a decent mid-range. Oh, his mid-range was lethal. It was just anything outside of 19 feet. It was like, yeah. That's why I say decent. Like, within – so use him a bit to kind of – create more space down low for Wilt to dominate. Small forward had to go bird. I don't have anyone who can shoot threes really up to this point. He might be one of the, honestly, this is going to be a little bit of a hot take. Pure skill wise, he might be one of the best players I've ever seen. He was at one specific skill and how good he was at that single skill, yes, I will give you that. Larry Bird may be the best pure shooter of all time. Pure shooter. He could pass the ball, too, though. Yeah, he was very non-athletic. Not very athletic. Yeah, he's not athletic, man. Like, the guy's back died, basically. That's why he couldn't, like, finish his career, his career kind of tailed out at the end. But that was, like, late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, but, I mean, no other pure shooters are even putting his – I mean, you want to talk about skill set – like, early career Ray Allen had his shooting ability, but was just an absolute monster slash into the basket. Reggie Miller could just score from basically anywhere inside a half court. So, like, that's the only guys I put in his realm of shooting. I think also, though, with Bird, he could – you could have him smothered, and he could shake you and hit a shot. Yeah. Dude played a whole game with his and left hand. mean dude, too. He wanted to save his right yeah. for the Lakers next game. Or next round, he was a monster. I he could hit a shot from behind the backboard in a game. And we're gonna keep the trash talk going because that shooting guard, you gotta have Michael Jordan. Oh yeah. Anyone who doesn't have Mike at the shooting guard is ridiculous. You're an, you're, you're an absolute moron. I get the love for Kobe, but I that's why I put Kobe on the as a sixth man because I said to myself, if you do like, everyone knows my top five. It's Jordan. Kobe, then Braun, then Magic, and then, I guess, Kareem at five. And everyone's sure, why'd you put Wilt in? I'm like, because for the team I'm building, I'd rather have Wilt. Yeah. I wanted to put Russell, but I, I think Russell was a better defender, but I think Wilt is good enough at defense, and with his offensive abilities, yeah. it was no competition. Point guard... Uh, I'm going 2010s. I'm putting Curry at point guard. You can't really focus on the outside shot when you have Jordan slashing and Wilt dominating inside. And I just think him, Jordan, Bird, that's a 
deadly trio right there, not even looking at my big men. And then I like big men in basketball. I think I think they need to be treated with more respect. I had to put Kareem in as my sixth man. Okay. Like, oh, Will, you're getting a little tired, even though he didn't really get tired. He played whole games. Or KG, you're getting tired. Okay, we're not going to lose Will's offense. We're going to put the career, the guy who's at the top of the list for career points. Yeah. So that's my starting five with a sixth. <laughs> hey, there you go. I mean, I, I like your list. I wanted to just throw an homage to Kobe, and also everyone knows how much I love Kobe. So um, I want to do that. If I was willing to bend the rules a bit and make Wilt or Kareem a power forward, Kobe would have been my sixth man. True. Um, all right, so what is this mystery question you've been talking about all day to me today? So I was on Twitter today, and I saw a question. And it was a big debate. There were a lot of replies. Would you rather have the rings or the money? So I'm asking you, and I don't mean rings and you're like the star player on the team. Okay. I don't mean like a Scotty Pippen who won so a bunch of... So you're saying like, would you rather be a big shot Bob or like a guy who just made a lot of money being a, like, a, like, are you asking if I'm a star player and everyone's a title or I'm a mediocre six man, seventh guy on the bench who wins like five titles? Not even. I'm asking you if you're a guy who just made a bunch of money in his career, either you're a Good player, great player for a while, got big contracts, or just played forever and was mediocre. Yeah, media like a decent player. But, but no you rings. Know Evan Turner? Evan yeah, Turner. Yeah. He got a bunch of money for being a mediocre guy. Or would you rather have been a guy like um, Jim Lust- Lustikoff, who played nine years, won seven rings with the Celtics? But or like Robert averaged, Horry. Or no, like not Robert Horry. Well, Robert Horry, Horry never was too big. He's too big for this question. He made big shots in games. Luskatov didn't. He was the enforcer. He never averaged more than 10 points a game in his career. Like 10.7 was his highest. I want to. I mean, a guy like that. But you have seven rings. I'd rather have the money because I don't even know who that guy is. And like half of the half of the rings, it's like. Actually, you know what? No, it's weird. If it was basketball, then I'd say yes. I don't mind. It, it depends on the sport. Basketball is like the one sport where I'd rather be because it's such a star-driven sport. I'd rather be like the the B minus B plus guy who maybe got to a finals but never won it, but is well known, versus being this no name guy who has seven ranks because he was on the end of the best be- the best the bench of one of the best teams of a decade. But if I was playing football. I'd rather be like us, like literally a, I don't know, a rotation defensive end or a, just an outside linebacker who happened to be on two Super Bowl title teams, who was good but not a Hall of Famer, than a guy who basically just bounced around, made a ton of money but never actually got the big game. And same thing with baseball. Like I'd rather be like a, a 25 homer, 90 RBI, like fifth, sixth guy in the order, who played good defense and like was on a couple really good teams instead of being like you know. Barry Bonds, who never won a World Series. So I think it kind of goes about some goes with the sport. Basketball is the one sport that's so star driven. Where I would rather be the Evan Turner uh, opposed to the Bill Litzikoff or whatever his name is, Jim Luskatoff. I and I agree with you to a point. I mean, I think I think part of the reason, like I just use Luskatoff as an example. Mm-hmm. If he played today and had seven rings, you would know who that was. Yeah, I think in 
40 years, 40, 50 years, Evan Turner is going to be remembered as one of the first players who cashed in on those big contracts and got way overpaid, and that's it. I think that the people you used as examples, I don't know. It, it's kind of weird because you took a guy from the 60s and 70s, and then you threw it against a guy from the 2000s. If you were talking about a guy from the modern era versus a guy from the modern era, I think that'd be a little easy to compare. Yeah, I mean, I just didn't want to use – like. Or Robert Horry without the big shots that people kind of know him for. Yeah. I mean, like, but like in the NBA, like you're really going to extremes there. You're, you're, you're almost the way you angled the question was like, would you rather be this guy who's known for being overpaid or would you rather be the guy who literally, you, you just pick the two worst case scenarios out of both options. Yeah. That's the point. God, two horrible, like they're both on paper. Not bad. Seven rings enough money to feed your family for the next hundred years. Yeah. Those on paper are nice, but like you said, outside of Boston, not many people are going to really know the name Jim Luskatov. And I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing that right. I looked at like three videos to see, make sure. And his number is retired by the, or not his number, his nickname Losky is retired by the Celtics. It's in the rafters. And Evan Turner just is kind of, he's really, do you know what team Evan Turner's on right now? Blazers. Yeah, because no, they couldn't get rid of that contract. Actually, but, no, he was a pretty serviceable guy for their, their team this year. They just, they had no back-end defense. Yeah, I mean, but also, no he one was wanted... He good, like, third... He was a good fourth fourth guy for them on the, on the, on the starting yeah, line. Yeah, but he shouldn't get paid... You should not be paid no, that No, no, his contract is insane, but that also speaks to what the NBA is, is a, the problem with yeah, the NBA, it, right? It's not his fault. Yeah, yeah. Basically... This guy was a number two all pick, was pretty good, could score, and could get a bucket. So desperate teams threw him money. And unfortunately, the way the NBA contract situation is set up, basically teams are effed the entire time. Whereas the NFL, if I throw a ton of money at a slot receiver who made a ton of money, let's say lighting it up for the, like, you know, I don't know, the Ravens, comes over, uh, let's say I manage the, 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 um, the Chargers. But basically, my young quarterback, Justin Herbert, doesn't get along with the guy because he doesn't get open. He He's demanding all his big contract. I'll cut him tomorrow. That's the difference. And I think that's the one reason why football, I think, is the best one sport for this is because, like, this the whole Evan Turner situation is different. Like, this guy, Bill Lutz, I, I know we're going away from the question, but this kind of brings up another topic. It's like, I think the NFL, this just shows why the NFL is the best run league because, yes, it sucks that some guys get cut, but, like, it's also the most fair league when it comes to you put bust your butt, you will earn your paycheck. But it also can be the most cruel if you know you have your knee sent sent sideways by a guy on a cheap shot. So I don't know. All right, I think we give me dumb. the money all day. I know you take the money. Uh, well, if I stayed in the city, Jim Luskatoff moved. If I like, if I played for the Celtics and won seven rings as a rotation guy who barely played, the city would love me, and I would never have to buy a drink again. True, but if I was I mean, living in a place, if you I wouldn't like, want to, like, yeah, like Phoenix, I don't want to win seven rings of me. So I'm not staying in Phoenix. And then when I move back to Boston or move to Atlanta, no one's gonna know me. Like it would be cool. Like that one scenario, I'd be like, let's say, like, all right, let's say it was like, um, I don't know, Tristan Thompson about the sideways crap on his resume. The guy's got what two rings already? No, one ring. One ring. He is one. Let's just say, like, I'm one of those guys who, like, was not LeBron. Like, 
let's say I was I was one of those superstar like always came around like was played with a superstar like I was always on his teams or whatever. Like that Christian the Tristan Thompson type but without the whole Kardashian craziness. Let's just say you know like you know I, I was not like famous but like people knew who I was because it's modern but like you know beautiful wife great house and a great city. If I win seven rings and I basically average ten, I maybe get ten points, five boards my whole career. I don't know. I wouldn't mind that honestly. Yeah, I'm mostly looking at end of career, like when you're done. Because yeah, when I'm done, like oh my god, my great basketball career introduced me to my wife, gave me a great house. It you know set me up where basically I was met the money people like. I guess the if you're looking at I don't know it's a weird it's a weird question there's so many variables I think that's no, the problem with this question I want to change my answer today give me the rings because what's because the league, what's the league, league minimum in the NBA I think it's four hundred five five or six hundred k so then I'm making four point two million dollars if I only play seven years but win a ring. Also, every- if you meet a money, if you have a good money manager, that thing doubles in a couple of years. Like yeah. you're set. So give me the rings. Yeah, modern. Give me the rings. Back in the day, give me the nineties uh, are up. Give me the uh, give me the money. I mean, uh, yeah. But af- now, like, yeah, like let's yeah, like Kev, like let's say you pay for the Celtics. You you, you know you meet. You know, you know, pretty girl, because you know you, you play professional basketball. You have a nice life afterward. You got your money managed right, because you're not an idiot. It makes sense, and now you have seven rings to show for it. Yeah, I mean, if I won seven rings with the Celtics, that'd be incredible. Because my this is gonna get weird. My biggest internet crush is a girl who's like has thirteen thousand followers and just tweets about Boston sports all the time. Mine's an Instagram model who literally – and one's a pop star, one's an Instagram model who's obsessed with craft beer. So, I mean, the girl's cute though. So, Brianna Pierre, Twitter's at BSP underscore 13. Um, when corona's over, if you hear this, sup. <laughs> Mine is uh, Sophia Beverly and Haley Steinfeld. Sup. <laughs> so, we're going to tag all of them when we put this out on Twitter. We're going to tag all of these <laughs> oh. and see who responds. Oh my god, yeah, no, I think I think the the Instagram model has a boyfriend though who like you know is about as big as me, so it might be an issue. Yeah, it's fine. All fair, love and war. Just take some cheap cheap shots. You're done. Oh yeah. All right. Um. So what's what do you got next for me, Kev? Next for you? Oh yeah, we got um. So Kev, you're. So I read this on on the the I read this on our title on our list this morning. You guys don't know Kevin is basically one of Kevin's. Kevin has basically three jobs here. Keep me on track is one. Two, doing the topic list and doing the research. And three, so basically do taking lead on social while I do editing and everything else. I've I do everything on Facebook hard. I yeah, know. I've been getting yelled at for that, so I've been trying to pick it up on my own end, but. All right, I'll st- I'll make sure I put a focus on that going forward. But guys, too. remember we have a YouTube now. But I finally subscribed to. Let's go. Two subscribers. I should log into that on my phone. Like I want to log into one of my phones so I get notifications about likes or subscribes or views. But also, I watch a lot of like Xbox videos, a lot of history videos. I don't want those. Yeah. Showing up on the- 
Like I wa- like last night I watched a gameology video of like combat veterans breaking down Call of Duty and then breaking down Ghost Recon Breakpoint, which you guys know is one of my favorite games I've been playing right now. And it's just so cool like to see like like you know vets go like break down the tactic and everything else. But I would not want that popping up my YouTube channel, so I completely get you. But yeah, I mean it's nothing weird, but it's like a lot of the videos I watch are not the expert, which he has a Madden and an NCAA series which I've written about, so go check it out, um, UGF Pandas, um, and other gaming channels like Call Me Kevin, who's an Irish YouTuber, and Simple History, which covers history stuff. Oh, I love it's Simple History. Simple History is how I passed my history, how I passed the French Revolution part of my history class. If you like history YouTubes, there's two you have to check out. It's Manny does, and they're just these goofy drawings, and he, like, breaks down very simplistically what happened. He's got, like, U.S. history, Irish Revolution, stuff like that, but then also oversimplified, and I'll send you the link to this one, Jared, because it's cartoons, and it's just, it's hysterical, and also kind of has some facts in it. Wait, oversimplified history? Yeah, I, I literally, that's how I passed the French Revolution part of my history class. Well, there's two. There's simple history. Is that the one that's more serious? Yeah. Yeah, it's the one that helped me pass my history class my sophomore year. Um, and I'm good at history, but the French Revolution is the one part I just kept falling asleep in during history class my entire high school high school and college life. Anyway. I mean, there were like five or six of them in a 200-year period. You don't need to watch that many. All right. So. Early. Yeah. Kev, Kev put this thing on the title sheet, on the um, topic sheet. It was. Wilson or Baker, I'm like, oh, and I've been seeing a lot of, like, rumors about Seattle trying to trade for Miles Garrett, and it's just, I don't know, like, all these crazy things right now, because everyone's connected to everyone, apparently, when you go into, like, the like the little niche media, but, um, oh, yeah, since last week, I told Kevin this, uh, Clowney has been offered a contract by Philly, no response from his team yet, we'll see what happens, I don't know, I, I heard our boy Jimbo complaining about it, and my, my quick, I'll make a quick take on that later, but I actually kind of like it, but, um, Anyway, so it said Wilson or Baker, and I'm like – and then I had to have Kev elaborate. So, Kev, elaborate to our people what the lesser famous Sims said on PFF. So Pro Football Talk Overtime is like their podcast, I assume. I don't listen to it, but Chris Sims was on it talking to Mike Florio, and he said he doesn't know how true this is, but people he trusts in the sport told him that back in the 2018 draft – when the Browns took Baker first overall, the Seahawks called them up, and in their discussions, they offered Russell Wilson. Now, Chris Sims said that he's not sure how serious those discussions were, but Russell Wilson was put on the table at one point. My immediate reaction is, well, one, well, we may have talked about this in the pre-show meeting. Um, I would I know the Seahawks in the way their 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 offense their their general manager front office runs they would have taken Sam Darnold first overall that's no question we I remember leading up to that draft we all thought that Sam was going number one to Cleveland Baker was going to go f- wherever the Jets were Josh Allen going to, to Buffalo as a slam dunk unless the Giants snagged whoever came off the board second but. I kind of like look at this and I'm like, it doesn't surprise me because Seattle, it almost feels like Seattle has always been kind of negligent with Russell Wilson. They didn't pay until Russell basically like threatened them. He basically, they had a bunch of defenders didn't like him. Uh, the Legion of Boom basically despised him and they never put really offensive line around him. 
And their first, like, decent draft pick receiver they ever put around was DK Metcalf, and that was at the back end of the second round. So, I don't know. I, I, buy, I buy this 110%. I totally buy this. I buy it, too, because at that point, 2018, they were kind of jettisoning, getting rid of a lot of their their defensive players. Earl Thomas, Camp Chancellor just retired. They're Sherm, Sherm was Sherm going gone yet i don't sure, think no 18 sherman was already sherman was already in uh san fran in 18 so sherman, he... left, sherman left the year before earl was the last one left this is post earl thomas flicking off pete carroll um yeah so it was kind of an interesting time i would say so i can see them in this time trying to go for a complete rebuild i wasn't sure if that was immediately after uh sherman tore his acl so he was still on the seahawks technically no, he played in 18, I think, with the Niners. Okay. But, so, it, I buy it, and if not, I mean, I don't know. Now it's easy to look back and go, that clearly didn't happen. Russell Wilson's so good. But at that time, it was kind of a, Russell Wilson could play, but it was also a question of how much of this, their success is the defense carrying them, how much of this is Russell Wilson doing well. Yeah. And it, it also makes sense if the Browns said no for some reason, because the Browns, are a bunch of idiots. Well, the Browns also said they didn't see Carson Wentz being a top twenty quarterback in the league, which I they because they wanted Goff and they knew they weren't getting Goff at two, so that's why they traded with Philadelphia. Like, oh, we don't see, and like they, there was a guy who used to work in the front office be like, oh yeah, we don't see Wentz being a top twenty pick, I'm a top twenty overall quarterback. That's so a very trade. Browns thing to do, though. Also, if the Browns drafted him, he would already have been gone. Yeah, he would have already his career been over. He would have just made a career hunting. It would have been a footnote in NFL history, like, oh, he was also taken number two overall by the Browns, and that's it. I I think there are some franchises in the NFL who won't be good until their owners sell the team. I don't even know if it's ownership with the Browns. Like with some, it teams, is. Jimmy Haslam is a problem in that in that building. What we're gonna see with Kevin Stefanski because he comes from a good coaching tree. I'm not saying that it's that Jimmy Haslam has nothing to do with it, but. You know, with the Knicks, with the Bulls, those organizations, you look at the owner and go, it's all their fault. With the Browns, I mean, John Dorsey and Freddie Kitchens, like, you can't look at them and go, oh, that's all the owner's fault. He put in charge people who he thought could do well. Yeah. And they failed. Well, the whole thing with John Dorsey was like, there he was, Jimmy Haslam was warned from the get go. John Dorsey has some red flags, and those red flags came up. Dorsey does not get along with people who will talk back to him. That's why, like, they passed up on certain coaches, <clears throat> Greg Williams, for um, for Freddie Kitchens because Freddie Kitchens could be uh, his his puppet, basically. So I think that's why, like, there's a whole – that's why John Dorsey won't get another NFL job. Or if he is, he's going to be, like, somebody's assistant to the regional GM or something BS like that. Yes, that was an office joke. Um, yeah. I could totally see this whole thing happen because it screams vintage Browns and vintage Seahawks. But um, some good news. Not oh, by the way, shout out John Krasinski got the entire office cast on uh, a uh, what's it called of um uh that his song Good News Network. It was on uh, he uh, had uh, the entire office cast redo that um scene from the wedding when they all danced that Chris Brown song for a couple's wedding. Thought it was pretty cool. He does a lot for people. Like he had for um, I think Brigham and Women's 
he had uh, like David Ortiz come on to talk to some of the nurses, and they got season tickets for the Red Sox or something out of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we just have John Krasinski 2020, please? I, I'm still against people with no political experience. True. I like. I, I don't want people with too much political experience as well. We're not going into the politics, but um, yeah, I love that. Um, because we're talking about two, uh, one guy who used to be in Boston, and one guy who's somehow still in Boston. Um, we're talking Brady and McDaniel's. Kev, I'm gonna let you take lead in this one. What do you got? Because this this seems very interesting. So someone wrote a piece about how I think he used to work for the po- New York Post. Or something I might be off on that, but said. Part of the reason Brady left was their deteriorating relationship, uh, Brady's deteriorating relationship with Josh McDaniels. And a couple years ago, there was that big shouting match they got into on the sidelines after a play and all this other stuff. And Brady screenshotted and said on Instagram, please stop with this nonsense. Please be more responsible with reporting 19 years together and brothers for life. All right. I don't think it was McDaniels. I think it was more Belichick. Because McDaniels wouldn't... Gronk wouldn't have come out of retirement to play with Tom. If, like, like the McDaniels thing, it just... The McDaniels thing just feels like they're trying to throw the shade off Belichick. Like, they're trying to use McDaniels as a scapegoat because they don't want Bill to get... They don't want Bill to get rolled. But I think it was all Bill. I think Brady was tired of playing for Bill... And Gronk was like, you know what? Tampa could be fun. It's a Gronk kind of town for Gronk. So we're going to go Gronk it up in Tampa, Gronk style. You said Gronk four times in one sentence, by the way. That was intentional. Because that's how the Gronk rolls. <laughs> Please stop. All right, I'm just going to go. I Gronk, yeah. I think there's a kernel of truth to this. I don't think Brady left because of McDaniels. I agree with you. I think a lot of it is Belichick and kind of Belichick's the way he is. He's going to do what he wants. He's going to build up that defense, not really spend on high draft capital on offensive weapons. I think that rubbed Brady the wrong way. I think also it's Belichick's personality, but I think he, I think Brady by the end didn't love McDaniels and saw him being the next head coach, whenever that was, wouldn't be during Brady's career, but I think, if he loved Josh McDaniels, like he says, if they are brothers for life, I think that relationship might have helped him stay more. And I think he was kind of done with McDaniels. He was definitely done with Belichick. So I think that just kind of showed him like, well, I don't really care about my coaching staff. I'm leaving. Yeah, I agree. I think that it was – so I think maybe a little bit of both is kind of a better way to word this because I think when you really look all down to it, it always seemed like Brady just didn't – Belichick I, – I was wondering how much more could Brady take of being like, it's all about everyone else, guys. It's a team effort. I'm not the GOAT or anything. Like, I, I think it was all just the culture in total. So, I think Brady wants to be somewhere in the middle. I think – I don't think he wants to be in a place where they're like, oh, he's the GOAT. We have to walk on eggshells around him. But I think he also didn't love being a part of the – we don't give a shit who you are. It's the team. Yeah. I totally agree. All right. Um, let's switch over. Some good news. 
I swear the whole office reference went before I jumped topics by mistake. The MLB, right now the rumor is a 4th of July start with no fans, at least for the foreseeable future. I love this. What is more, the most American sport on the planet? It was our pastime for like, what, the last 100 years before the NFL kind of jumped it in like 2005, 2006, whatever it is, whenever, I don't know. Anyway, what is more American than having baseball opening day after a pandemic on 4th of July? Dude, that would be epic. Even if there's no fans there, are you kidding me? It's supposed to be the hottest summer on record, according to a few sort. I I doubt it because this this year has been just one one uno wild card after another. But I, it, I'm tuning in. I'll find some link to watch my Diamondbacks play the Dodgers on opening day. Hell yeah! Hey, our Diamondbacks. Yes, our Diamondbacks. Right, Kev. <laughs> now, I've been a D-backs fan for so long, guys. I have two of my Diamondbacks hats. One from Middle school and the one from high school are both on the back, like, little ledge of my Honda because they are too small for my head, but I want to give them the proper uh, showing they deserve, even though they're beat to hell. That's fandom, baby. I better get a Diamondbacks hat for my birthday. Uh, and your birthday's in the fall, so I got some time. Yeah. After they win the World Series, you got it, Kev. Yeah, give me a World Series hat. There we go. We'll have a match, and we'll come on the air together on you on YouTube. Oh, man. All right. But, yeah, I love everything about this, if it's true. I think, you know what, it'll keep everyone happy. It's like, okay, there's no fans, but there's sports, so people have something to watch. So there's – I think – what this is what I – like, I got an argument with family about this a couple days ago about, like, having sports and what it it means. And we're like, oh, we got to be careful. We got to be safe. I'm like, one, you realize these leagues have the best resources out of any organization in the damn country. Two, besides like maybe the president himself. Two, people need distractions. That's why the NFL draft is the most tuned in draft ever. That's why like like ne- on Sunday I will watch a NASCAR race. I will watch a NASCAR race. I basically said to our NASCAR head, there's nothing about it except for rednecks making left turns. Okay, but I'm gonna watch it because it's live sports. All right. I am going to literally be crying when sports comes back because you know what? This has been painful for all of us. So you know what? I love this. I hope it goes full speed ahead. I hope I hope like the CDC gives the MLB the go ahead by September. We got fans in the stands. I am all for it. Yeah, I love it. I I don't really care about the no fans thing. Honestly, like, yeah, it sucks that there's not going to be fans there. Our team's on the West Coast. What are we going to do? Drive across country to go see a game? Oh, my God. Even on TV, it's going to be weird because a couple years ago when there were there were riots in Baltimore and the Orioles were playing, it was just so weird because they didn't let fans in. So you could hear the bat clearly. You didn't hear any fan reaction. It was weird. But I think – I think they got have the players mic'd up if there's no fans. Oh, they have to. But – and the, the commentators doing a good job. They were talking, but it was still weird to watch. But I think that weirdness is worth it to have live sports again. Yeah, I will happily have the first month of the NFL come back on schedule for fans not to be back till October. That's fine by me. Just give me my sports. I wasn't even planning on going to an NFL game until the end of the season anyway, so who cares? Cold weather games are the best, man. I, I, I will – 
Like the last game I went to was like mid September. I was like sweating, sweating like crazy in my Black Eagles jersey. So I'm all for this. I really am. All right. Uh. Okay. So Kev, what do you get? You got any weird stuff for me tonight? Or are we just rolling to the last call? I do have some weird stuff, and it's more weird on my end. It's not necessarily super weird in general. Well, you are weird, so that kind of makes sense. Do Do you know who has? Yeah, I know. Do you know who has the most receiving receiving yards in a game in NFL history? Willie Flipper Anderson. Yes, that is actually right. <laughs> but so I was watching a video where pe- players were guessing. I've seen this Bobby video. Johnson. That's why I knew where it is. Willie Jones. But so I looked up Willie Anderson to kind of read some more about his career. Yeah. First person that comes up, Willie Anderson, NBA. Like that's not helpful at all. Looked up Willie Anderson, NFL. Got some O-linemen. There's like been um, seven Willie Andersons in the NFL. And, yes, Flipper Anderson, who might be not necessarily a terrible receiver, won a Super Bowl in 97 with the Broncos, but he might be – like records are so weird because it's just a lot of times one guy who gets hot in a game – breaks a record, and then does nothing else for the rest of his career. So I had to look up Willie Anderson three times to find this man's yeah. career on Wikipedia. It's just crazy because I didn't even know who it was either. I thought Megatron had it for the longest time, and then I saw that video like two years ago. I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Now, of course, in our Madden League, that's not the record. The receiving yeah, yards like guys like thousand. Thanks. Yeah. So. No. Um. I've also I, I'm going to make an executive decision for that league as the the anti-hero of that league, the hero that nobody wants but everyone needs. Um. All right, Batman. Now. <laughs> Where's the records? No. Any record that's set above a astronomical amount is thrown with an asterisk by a certain team that nobody will name because we're they are on our shadow list. Every record he set has been thrown in the shadow realm. It's always the records below it that aren't by that team. Because we had a brave soul, our good friend Justin, break all those rec- break one of those records. It was like he committed treason. <laughs> yeah, it, he, the person who shall not be named, even though I named them, it was furious that his record was broken. Thank God for the London Black Knights. God bless the queen. God save the queen. <laughs> and their and their bitter rivals, the Philadelphia Eagles. Every NFC Championship game ever in history is between the two of our squads. Oh my God! In case anyone's care- confused why these names, I'm just gonna tell you some of the na- teams that have moved in our Madden League for funsies. First team to move, the Chargers moved to Houston, became the Houston Voyagers. Then, the Buccaneers moved to San Antonio, became the San Antonio Express. Lame. The Chiefs moved to Dublin, became the Dublin Shamrocks. Got their butt kicked every year. The Rams moved to London, became the London Black Knights. Gotta save the queen. The Ravens moved to Toronto, became the Toronto Huskies. And then the Houston Texans moved to Mexico City, but are still the Texans. (laughs) And they have a guy on their team named Austin, Texas. Uh, Gotta love it. Um, The the Mexico City Texans are owned by our loyal listener, Pat. Yeah, shout out. 
I love there. There is your weekly Madden update on our ridiculous league. That's in year what fifteen now? Uh, I think twelve. No, because DK Metcalf's like thirty-five at this point, and he was twenty when he entered the league. No, he's thirty-three. Thirty-three. Okay, so yeah, we are on year twelve when he entered the league. Okay, so yeah, it is your no, it's your thirteen then. If he was twenty-one and now he's thirty-three, it's year twelve. Oh. Yeah, but okay, I don't, know. I don't know. Math hurts. Um, I, I was showing my stepbrother the rosters. Yeah, I have. Oh, so I figured out. You know who has the most active players that are actually real players still in his roster? I have seven. I mean, out of the people who actually have, like the players, that might be true. But the uh, the Jaguars have a bunch. Yeah, they're right behind me. They have like six. But but I have um, Jamal Adams, Darnell Savage, my OG safety crew. I have Nick Bosa. I have. Um, DK. Yeah, DK. Chris Lindstrom, who's a go- who's like a backup guard. Ellen Derek Barnett, who's a backup defensive tackle at this point because he kind of got chunky. But, uh, yeah, so, yeah, I have seven. At one point, my entire roster was user guys, even after new draft classes. Meanwhile, one of the guys in the league, every time a player ter- gets over the age, like 27, he trades them. This is the guy who trade. Oh, by the way, his mascot is not actually the Husky Dogs. It's a bunch of fat kids. Get it? Toronto Huskies. <laughs> All right. So All right, let's get back on track. Yeah, let's let's kick that let's kick that uh that funky jazz smooth jazz. All right, folks. Joe Theismann, the one of the only Redskins that I don't completely hate because his his NFL draft analysis is actually pretty spot on a lot of the time. Okay, I just didn't mean to do that. All right. Instagram, you suck. Uh, basically, I'm trying to find the quote for him right now that I sent. All right. This is a quote from Joe Theismann on Dak Prescott's contract situation. Joe Theismann was quoted as saying, if, if I was advising Dak, I would say take the money. You are not a top five QB in the National Football League. Key words there. You are a good football player with the potential to become better. But what have you done? Joe Theismann. Okay, clap. We owe you at Logical Football Fans owe you a thanks for saying what, for the love of Christ, everyone at the corner booth has been saying since day one. I, it drives me crazy when somebody tries to argue that Dak is a top five quarterback. Dude, you could throw Megatron, Julio Jones, and Larry Fitzgerald out there. He'd still only throw about 27 touchdowns a year. You know why? He's limited. Even our resident Cowboy fan friend, Ryan Walters, has said to me on multiple occasions he may not mind Andy Dalton taking the starting spot from him. That should tell you everything you know about Dak Prescott. Dak is worth about 15. Kevin thinks about 10 million a year. I think about 18. And I'm an Eagles fan saying that. Stay in your lane, Dak. Listen to Joey Broken Leg, and let's call it a day. Kevin, any thoughts before we wrap it up today? Um, no. I think we should make Joey Broken Leg a legit nickname. Put on a shirt. Put on a shirt. Oh, wait. I forgot. We, we, uh, Design Tree's basically been shut down for like a month because of this pandemic. All right. I'm Jared. That's Kevin. We will catch y'all with our Corner with pregame and another show on Thursday. Peace.
Hey guys, Jared. Thanks for checking out the Corner Booth Pod. Be sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Corner Booth Pod. This podcast is brought to you by the Belly Up Podcast Network.